0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: It was the NCAA tournament of historic parody, right? Well, at least for 67 of the 68 entrants. And then there was that one outlier. The one outlier that just beat the living crap out of everybody else. For Hugh, 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 Hugh this was the tournament of absolute and total dominance. You no, know, last night's rock fight with San Diego State was not exactly thrilling, edge of your seat stuff. In fact, it probably could have used a little taunting to spice things up. We did talk about that all day yesterday. But give San Diego State their due. They hung in, they came back, they battled with a total juggernaut. Because for all the parody and all the upsets and all the surprises. And all the low seeds making crazy runs. And all the high seeds crashing out early. At the end of this tournament, the one thing that was incredibly clear is that nobody is better than UConn. Nobody is even close to UConn. Nobody was in UConn's class. Not even close. The Huskies just beat every single team by double digits en route to that natty. They won by an average of 20 points per game. They trailed. This stat's insane. They trailed for just 55 seconds in the second half over the entire tournament. I mean, the whole thing really is absurd, how they went right through everybody. Again, they just won a natty without trailing for so much as an entire minute combined. Over the six games, and those six wins, by the way, were not against slugs. They weren't setups where the brackets were blown to bits, so they were beneficiaries of some soft joke of a run to the final game. No, those six games were against the likes of Rick Patino, Randy Bennett, E. Musk, Mark Few, Jim Laranega, and then Dutch and the Aztecs. We're not talking about scrubs. We're not talking about tomato cans. We're not talking about unknowns. We're not talking about some lucky, easy path that opened wide for the Huskies. We're talking about an absurdly dominant UConn team that just curb stomped everybody and everything that tried to stand in front of them. San Diego State does deserve a ton of credit. Incredible run that brought incredible energy to that incredible city. And like I said, they fought their asses off last night, even though they were going up against a Goliath with a lid on their hoop. San Diego State shot 32% from the field. They shot 26% from beyond the arc. They were never going to have a prayer like that, no matter how close they made it late. Yet somehow, they, they made it really close late. Somehow, they got it to a five-point game with five minutes left. Somehow. Incredibly. But then this immediately happened.
0: As close as this game has been
1: since it was 16-12. to 12. And we got five minutes to go for the title. Here's Hawkins. That's your best the way he uses the screen and get the puppies organized in a flash. I mean, essentially, the story of the tournament for both teams. San Diego State, no matter how big a hole they would dig, would always come back. They would always come back. UConn, well, story being for them, they are just too good. They rarely needed a big shot, but when they did, they always got one. So credit to the Aztecs For for hanging in, but that game last night was like the entire tournament. It was all about UConn. So this stuff about the blue blood debate, whether or not they're blue bloods. It should have never existed in the first place, but officially, that's done. That's over. My guy Matt Norlander asked Dan Hurley about that after the game, and this is what Dan said. Blue blood status, undeniable, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. It should have been pre-this. I mean, with the four and, yeah, I mean, UConn, is as, the blood is as blue as... It could be because we bleed blue because it's the UConn.
1: Yes. Yes, he's right. The blood is as, quote, blue as it can be, except it's got nothing to do with school colors. It's got everything to do with those five natties. Five natties and in only 24 years. Five natties in 24 years with three different coaches. Hell yes, UConn oh, yeah. is a blue blood. In fact, they're not just a blue blood, they're the blue blood, at least as it relates to this century. Again, they've got two more natties over the past 25 years than any other program. You have people are sitting back saying, well, are they actually a blue blood? They have five natties in 24 years with three different coaches. Hell yes, they're a blue blood. And when it comes to finishing the deal, no other program finishes the deal like UConn finishes the deal. They're now 5-0 and in title games. They're 10-1 in the Final Four. Never mind blue blood status. I mean, that's a given. Last night, UConn proved once again that they are the very last program that you want to run into at the end of March Madness. You know, maybe they don't necessarily present this image of a superpower like Kansas or Kentucky or Duke or UNC. Maybe not. Not that Dan Hurley gives a damn about that either.
0: Maybe I don't do a great job kissing the media's ass and presenting and you know this uh, this image that's incredibly likable. But um, you know, I I I am who I am. I'm where I'm from. uh, I'm from from Jersey City, and this is how people from Jersey City act.
1: Yeah, it's like Tommy D over there. He's from JC. He's not here to kiss my ass. That vampire's the same way. They all are. Listen, you don't have to like Dan Hurley. Personally, I love Dan Hurley. I love that line. For him to get up there and say, hey, maybe I'm not the guy to kiss the media's ass. That's so good. Love him. Don't like him. I love this guy. And what's not to love? But then again, it doesn't really matter. Like him or not, the perception of the program doesn't really matter. The blue blood debate doesn't really matter. All that matters is scoreboard. Look up at it. Dude got it done. Just like Jim Calhoun and Kevin Ollie before him. I mean, maybe there really is something special, something different, something unique, something in the water, something in the DNA, something in the blood. I don't know. There's something about Stores Connecticut. Follow me on this. There is something about Stores Connecticut, which is pretty much the last thing that you would expect anybody to say about Stores Connecticut. No offense to Stores Connecticut. But I'm saying whatever it is about Stores, it works. It wins. It matters. And I've got respect for it, which is why I hope that Stores is still standing this morning. Because while I have respect for stores, I have concern for stores. You see these UConn kids losing their damn minds last night? And I'm not here to judge because we've all lost our damn minds. All fans lose their damn minds when they win. I mean, I've never understood it, right? I've never understood. Like when fans, when their teams or their schools lose really important games, I see why they're angry. I would never condone the riot, but I can see why they do. But I've never understood rioting when you win. And I'm not just singling them out or isolating them. They're just the most recent and, frankly, some of the most violent. At least in some of what I saw last night. These crazy kids, some of them, not all of them, made Philly fan look soft and tame. Something else I thought that I would never say. I mean, climb light poles? Climb light poles. Climb them. Psst, please. 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 We're going to rip them right out of the ground ground. along with random traffic signs and then light random fires around campus because apparently that's how they do it in stores. Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. In Santa Barbara, we lit couches on fire. Here in L.A., there had been a fire or two after a Laker win. So it's not the fire per se. Like in Philly, for instance. In Philly, they like to hammer toss gray goose empties and climb up greased up light poles. What I'm saying is in stores, they not only pull the light poles out of the ground, not easy. They then turn around and weaponize them and use them as battering rams. Seriously, a bunch of students pulled a light pole out of a ground, turned it around, and then used it to ram their way inside a locked building. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I mean, those kids must really like to study if they want to get back into the building ripped a light pole out of the ground, turned it around, and used it to ram into a locked building. Insane. Basically, the UConn student body, in part, in part, not all of them, of course, and I understand why they were hyped. They did just win a natty. Liquor may have had something to do with it and other things, but part of the UConn student body just smashed up the UConn campus. Like the UConn basketball team just smashed up the NCAA tournament field. And wasn't that, after all, in the end, the story of March Madness? The story of March Madness and the story of March Madness for the Huskies. Smash, smash, smash. 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 Yeah. Smash smash, 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 smash. Yeah. Smash. Yeah. Great team. Great team. Great run. And hopefully they have a campus to return home to. And listen, I get young and stupid. Believe me, I was both in college. Young and stupid. You might even argue that I'm old and stupid. But definitely young and stupid in college. But I don't really get ripping a light pole out of the ground and then turning around and using it as a battering ram to get into a locked building. Even... If you're blackout, fall down drunk and you're going to end up in the ER with alcohol poisoning, even with all that, that's still pretty insane. Even me and my couch burning brethren in Isla Vista can't believe some of these images. Do not declare nuclear war on yourselves because chances are this is not going to be the last time you're in this position. It's not. I really don't think that Dan Hurley's going to stop at one. I think that highly of that guy. I think that highly of that program. They've got five in the last 24 years. Keep that in mind as you're ripping light poles out of the ground and ramming them into locked buildings. You're probably going to be here again. You want to make sure there is a school to go to when you come back. Man, they were good. Awfully, awfully good. And one more thing we talked about ad nauseum yesterday. Think about San Diego State, and there's no shame in that. They have nothing, nothing to be embarrassed about. They ran to a buzzsaw. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Brandon Staley is my guest. Brandon, so good to have you back. How are you?
2: Jim, I'm great. Thanks for having me.
1: So good to have you. So, Brandon, not that there's an actual offseason, but did you get any personal time? And then how would you go about resetting yourself and getting ready to attack the grind once again?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I've got these three young boys, eight, six, and three, that are keeping me busy. Uh, they're doing football, baseball right now, a little bit of tennis. So, mom and dad are, you know, trying to, you know, lead the way and, and be at all their games. So that's been awesome. I was able to get to Indian Wells for the tennis tournament. Uh, for two days, spent a bunch of time there, which was awesome, just to see competition, and uh, and then, you know, just was at the owner of meetings last week, and uh, now excited to attack the springtime, but it, it's been good to reset, I think I'm going to head up to uh, Golden State, spend some time with Steve Kerr and his staff here, um, you know, as they make their way to the playoffs, but do a little professional development, but it's been a it's been a great off season, and uh, really excited about the springtime. You know, we're two weeks away from the players being back, so uh, you know it's exciting for our staff.
1: So Brandon, like, there's so much really interesting stuff in that response. Like, I think a lot of fans just want to know about this, that, and the other. But I'm really curious about about five things you just said. What about your time with Golden State? That is such a fascinating organization. Their culture is amazing. You mentioned Steve Kerr. I could see why you'd want to kind of you know match wits or talk to him. Bob Myers is also a fascinating guy. When you go up and you spend time with people like that, what are those conversations like? And what are you looking for specifically?
2: Yeah, I just think you're looking at the global part of how to run a team. And I think there's so many aspects that go into leading a pro organization. And I've just been such a big fan of Steve. Uh, I mean, as a player going back to Arizona, his pro career, Chicago, uh, the Spurs, I think who he's been trained by, you know, Phil Jackson. uh, you know, Gregg Popovich, Lou Olson, uh, certainly becoming the head coach of Golden State, and you know what they've accomplished there, how they've accomplished it. I just, I love the way he leads, and I just think organizationally, uh, organizationally, how they think. Uh, and then certainly excited to to see some of the greatest players to ever play. You know, when you are able to see a, a Steph Curry uh, in action, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, that group of guys, uh, you know, you're going to learn a lot. So hopefully, I can just be one of these guys. that's kind of a gym rat, uh, absorb it all, and hopefully take a bunch here that can help our team.
1: Brandon Staley joining us. So you mentioned the Indian Wells tournament. That's actually a great tournament. I've been down there. That's a lot of fun. Were you just in the area for some R&R and think I'll take that tournament in, or did you go down there specifically for that tournament?
2: specifically for the tournament I'm a huge tennis fan both my wife and I play Uh, I love it last year I brought Derwin and Justin to the tournament to to see Nadal play and you know you got these two young guns and you want to see you know one of the greatest players to ever play so got to see Rafa last year uh, which was a huge highlight for me and then going back this season you know just got to see all the young up and coming players I think it's so exciting right now uh, the, the state of tennis I got to see Taylor Fritz versus Ben Shelton two Americans like these two like powerhouse like long athletic studs. And, uh, you know, I got to see, um, you know, just a bunch of amazing players and in, in competition. You know, I got to see Medvedev, Zverev, you know, I got to see Coco Goff, um, Svitek. I just, I got to see a lot of great, you know, athletes in, in action and I love that. And it's such a first class event and, You know, to be a part of that, I just think I always take away something, you know, from a match I see. Uh, And, you know, one of my good friends is Mark Lucero. He's an American coach. He coaches Steve Johnson. And I think when you're connected to, like, other sports, other spaces, you can learn from it. And it's been awesome this offseason to kind of be able to do that.
1: Brandon, I love tennis. I grew up in Southern California, which is a hotbed for tennis. So I understand high-level tennis, at least in the junior ranks. I'm curious, Justin... And, Derwin, what was their reaction? Did they maybe not get as much out of it as you did? Or what did they get out of it? What was it like for them?
2: Well, I think it was funny. Last year, so 2021, we got to see Kyrios play doubles with Kokonakis. Wow. And so Derwin James had never seen a tennis match in his life. But it didn't take him long to realize Nick, you know, super talented and so it took him a couple points for him to be like hey coach who's this guy and you know he's got a flair and he's got this ability that's you know undeniable so uh, I always believe in that concept of street cred gym where hey you know the real ones know who the real ones are and so it was just good to, to, to bring those two guys you know in a different space and you know I, I felt like it was good you know for them to see again you know guys compete at that level and you know this year it was awesome because you know Nadal is my favorite of all time and I kind of grew up in the early stages like Pete and Andre in that area and then you know it's Roger, you know Rafa and Novak and to see Rafa last year at Indian Wells and and uh, Wimbledon was awesome and then this year you're seeing Alcaraz, you know he's the new, you know he's the new guy and, and and again when you see him play it's hard not to think back when I saw Rafa play for the first time as a you know a 19-year-old kid at the French Open you 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 see that you feel that and you know, and what we do for a living—it doesn't matter the sport—you you can know who the the special players are. And so, uh, it was good to just soak all that in, and you know, spend some great time with my wife and my family. So,
1: Brandon, I'm not doing my job at all because I'm not asking you any hard football questions, but I am fascinated <laughs> by this. You mentioned that Ralph is your guy. Like, I'm older. My guy growing up was Bjorn Borg. And oh, I yeah. I love like Jimmy Connors, but I'll tell you something more contemporary because you mentioned him. Have you spent any time around Andre Agassi? Andre Agassi was such an incredible player with the most amazing hand-eye, and he's just a fascinating, compelling individual. Have you ever spent any time around him? I
2: haven't spent any time. You know, Andre was my guy growing up because of, you know, just the return of serve, the all-purpose game, the kind of the flair. And my my mom she, like her idol was Pete and 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 Steffi Graf. So we we love both Pete and Andre. I mean, two Americans at the height of you know tennis. And I just remember those th- those rivalries and seeing them go back and forth. And and again, just uh, you know, I think just a great sportsman and just what he did for the game of tennis, what he's doing for the game of tennis. Uh, you know, one of those great competitors. And and again, somebody that. I think, brought something to the game uh, that nobody has brought to the game. And so, uh, again, to see the the torch being passed to, like, that generation of the big three, seeing, like, what Pete and, and Andre and that group of guys, Bjorn, you know, even going back, what they did for this group of guys, and then now with these young studs like Alcarez Center, it, I just love that about sports because it's the same way in basketball, you know, same way, you know, in football, it's, it's all the same. So if you're a sports fan, it's just good to see the, the generation's just
1: talking tennis with Brandon Staley. You can come in and break down Wimbledon a little bit later on. The thing about Andre, too, you, you mentioned his return of serve. Nobody could took the, take the ball on the rise the way he did. He was incredible. All right, so, Brandon, before you go really quickly, what about how did you go about processing the loss to Jacksonville? For instance, did you try to move beyond it as quickly as possible and turn the page, or did you make sure to sit with it for a minute and maybe then use it and convert it to some sort of fuel?
2: Well, I think a a loss like that's going to sit with you forever. It's not going to be one of these things that leaves you. Uh, It's going to impact you uh, because it means everything to you. So we poured a lot into that season. Uh, Certainly the first half showed, I think, the best of our team. The second half shows exactly where we need to go. Uh, We need to accept that. I take full responsibility. Uh, That's what you have to do as a competitor. Um, I didn't do a good enough job in that second half of helping us finish that game. Uh, but I know that after that game, I got to the locker room, uh, and really just even before I got to the locker room, walking across the field, I know that we have a good enough team. Uh, and I, I believe in the guys in our locker room. I believe in our football team. I believe in our coaches. And you know, I think our off season. We've had a really good off season. I'm excited to get our group back. Uh, but you know, this type of loss is a, a loss that's going to really bring you together. It's if it's if guys are built the right way, if they're invested the right way. This is going to be a loss that really, really drives you. And I, I think that that is exactly what it's going to do for our team. I know it is, uh, and I can't wait to get our guys back in a couple weeks and, and get started on building this team uh, for the 2023 season.
1: Brandon, do you think this is a fair statement? Tell me yes or no. It's the kind of loss that could even frankly, wreck everything or it's the kind of laws that can galvanize everything.
2: Yeah, I I believe so. I believe so. Uh, I think that the history of sports tells you that. And I think as a competitor, it's just what side of it do you want to be on, you know, and what are you willing to do uh, to make it uh, the way, you know, you believe it's going to be. And and I believe that it's going to be something that really builds us up. Uh, I know what our team put into that season. And again, I know the quality that we have in this locker room and it's been exciting to you know, get through free agency, and now we're headed towards the draft. And uh, again, like I said, I, build, I really believe in, in our locker room and our players. Uh, I love the makeup of our team. And um, again, I'm excited to build this team for the season.
1: All right, so before you go really quickly, you mentioned the off season and some key acquisitions. One of the biggest acquisitions, offense coordinator Kellen Moore. Let me ask you about that. What do you like about him and what he brings to it? And then what do you like about the pairing between him and Justin Herbert?
2: Yeah, you know, Kellen, Jim Ratt, coach's kid, uh, you know, fifty and three at Boise. I just, you know, I played quarterback, so just studying his career. I just love what he did uh, at Boise. And then coming into the NFL, had a really good NFL career, was around a lot of good ball, and then jumping right into coaching. You know, my first game, Jim, if you remember with the Rams, my first D coordinator game was against the Cowboys and and Kellen Moore. And that was a really special game. No fans uh, during COVID, but really high quality. And I knew how good of a coach he was then. Uh, Competed against him my first year as the Chargers coach that second game. It was a great game. And then last year we practiced against them for two days uh, during training camp. And I think we just developed, you know, one of those really cool professional friendships. And I think, you know, the respect Jim is always going to be in the ball in the film. And I think we just had a lot of respect for one another from afar. And then when this opportunity came, uh, we were fortunate enough that he became available. And I think that mutual respect that mutual kind of belief in, and how we do things that kind of aligned and, you know, teaming up with him. He's, he's just been fantastic. And I just love what he's going to do for Justin. You know, we got Doug Nussmeier also as our quarterback coach coming from Dallas and love what the work that they did with Dak Prescott. I think Dak has improved as, as much as any quarterback, you know, in his time in the NFL. And uh, I think their work speaks for itself in Dallas. You know what they did this year with Cooper Rush going four and one. Uh, I just thought they did a lot of good things offensively. Uh, He's a guy who can think, he can figure it out, he can adapt, uh, all things that I really believe in, and and he knows how to fit into the team, you know, and and I think that he's a perfect fit for our culture, and uh, really excited for our players to get around him full time, and I know he's meant a lot to our staff in a short time.
1: Brandon Staley joining us. Brandon, I appreciate that. Leave us with one thought if you would. I know how strongly you feel about Austin Eckler. I know how strongly Austin Eckler feels about the organization. And I know how strongly Austin feels that he's underpaid and he's looking for somebody to pay him what he feels like he's worth, be it you or somebody else. He's got a year left on that deal. And again, because you feel so strongly about him, but business is business. How do you think this plays out?
2: Yeah, I think that there's going to be I think this is going to play out exactly the way it should play out because we we absolutely have so much respect for this guy. He's meant so much to our franchise uh, in my first two seasons here. He's been a, an incredible part of our success in building not only the product on the field, but off the field. Uh, his work on the field speaks for itself. Thirty eight touchdowns in two years. Uh, he's meant a lot. He's a captain for us. And I just think that there's just full respect from me to him, him to me, our team, uh, I think our our franchise uh, with his team, his agents and and this is one of the parts of the business, and I think you know it because you cover it daily you're you know been doing this a long time, me being exposed to this as a newer head coach, you just know this is part of the nfl it 's the business part of the nFL, but as long as the relationships are strong it 's all going to work out, and um, you know we 'll see where it goes like you know you can 't make any promises but the one thing I will promise is that we're always going to, you know, respect Austin Eckler and, and we think he's a fantastic player and we know that he can help us win a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, that's the thing, right? It's all part of the business. Everybody understands that. You just want to make sure that the player does not feel unappreciated and that the team – you just want to make sure that the relationship is still good in the event that he doesn't go and find what he wants, right, and he comes Absolutely. back. Is it still good?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I think that, there. you know, I think his team has handled it um, – you know, just I think totally in a total professional way. I know that we've done the same. We've been very transparent, as has he. And that's the way it should be. And when you care about people, honesty is the best policy. And that's what we're going through right now. And, and I think, it, again, it's just part of the business. And we're going to see where it goes. But I think it's been respectful on both sides. And, and that's what I would expect because, um, again, like I said, he's been amazing for us.
1: All right, so didn't mean to keep you so long, but I did get carried away with tennis. Brandon is the head coach of the Chargers, entering his third year. They're coming off that 10-7 and year. They've got the 21st pick in the upcoming draft. Brandon, always appreciate you. Always appreciate that conversation. Thanks so much for doing that.
2: Jim, great to be with you, man. Talk soon.
1: Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of... That you better, don't. You, better don't. you better don't, you better don't, you better don't, you better don't count the defending champion Golden State Warriors out. You better don't, you better don't. And no, no, this season certainly has not gone to plan. And no, they have not looked like the champs of last year or recent years. But you better don't, you better don't. Let's not get it twisted. The champs are once again starting to round into form. They know what it takes to get right this time of year. We've seen it from them. And they're about to get another big jolt. That big jolt being one of their key players in last year's run to the Lario. That key player, Andrew Wiggins. Uh Uh-oh. That's right. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh to the rest of the West. Uh Uh-oh. Listen, if you're here to mock, mock Andrew Wiggins... You really don't know what you're talking about. You just don't. You don't know what you're talking about because while he was away for the past 22 games, tending to a personal matter, which I'll get to in a minute because that's the whole thing as well, put aside that he was away for 22 games for a personal matter, personal, you may have forgotten that he's the former number one pick overall, you may have forgotten that he's an obvious difference maker and an impact player. You may have forgotten the impact that he had in the postseason last year. And now he makes the suddenly dangerous Warriors even more dangerous as the regular season comes to an end. And back to that, his 22-game absence due to a personal matter. Back to that. Why he was gone. That was never any of your business, ghouls. Never any of your business, internet trolls. Never any of your business, downright horrible human beings. Like, the reason I didn't get into it on the show is I respected his need to leave the team to tend to some personal business and family business, especially since the organization and his teammates felt the same way. You think this guy wants to leave and abandon the fight in the middle of the year when the team is struggling? When the team can't win on the road, when the team can't defend anybody, do you think the guy wants to do something like that? It must have been pretty significant. And if the team had no issue with it, if his teammates had no issue with it, if the organization had no issue with it, then the people who mattered most, right? Then why would anybody else? Why would anybody else have any issue or even an opinion about this? You know why? Because as I mentioned, while there are some really good people in this world, there are also ghouls and trolls and horrible human beings saying and tweeting garbage. But now he's back. So back to the, uh Uh uh-oh, part of the conversation. He's back to rejoin the fight for the defending champs who are currently sitting in the sixth spot in the West. And... This dude was an absolute beast when Golden State ripped their fourth ring in eight years last season. I think some of you have conveniently forgotten that already. He'd already flipped that whole script on his career, flipped the narrative and the script about his career. And in the finals, he was actually running neck and neck with Steph for the MVP award against Boston. This is how good this guy was and how important he was when they needed him most. He averaged 18 and eight. He carried them to a Game 5 win in scoring 26, all the while checking Jason Tatum for the majority of that series, a series where he held Tatum to 37% shooting. Excellent Alpha D, just like he had the series prior against, against, God, why do I always forget this guy's name? Why can I not remember the? You know you have a block sometimes? on people's names or things. Like, no matter how many times it comes up, you just can't remember. I always have a block on this guy. Wiggins. Wiggins had this amazing game against this stud in the prior series. Damn. What is this dude's name? Damn it, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's right on the tip of my tongue. God, all right, Alvin, you know, the dude who lives on the second floor. My
2: name is the-
1: Luca, why can I not remember this dude's name? Thank you, Alvin. And while, yes, I'm not going to say that he's going to come right back and beat that guy. He's not. But Steve Kerr has said that he's been working out on the daily, which is good. And I'm not saying that the defending champs are the ones to beat because of his return. But what I am saying is... If this guy can get anywhere near right and anywhere near the player he's been and anywhere near the player he was at this time last year, they're going to have a look at this thing. Allen Wiggins is that important, especially defensively, because on that end of the floor, the Warriors have been, again, again, why? why? Since I'm the ultimate wordsmith, why are words all of a sudden escaping me? How would I describe what Golden State's been defensively? Ass. Oh, yeah, there's that word. I got it back. And you know what? I've never described Golden State in that way at all, at least not for decades. But I'm about to do it again, twice in 10 seconds, because they've been all kinds of ass on the road. But they know that. They know that. Defensively saying that they've been ass is not unfair. Well, neither is saying That they've been on the road. But defensively especially. Last year they were a good defensive team. A good defensive team. This year they're 18th overall in team defense. But even that's improved with the return of Gary Payton II. And it's going to get even better with Wiggins back in the fold. So they may just be the sixth. But you know none of the higher seeds want any piece of these guys right now. That's not who you want to run into. Oh, and don't look now. But if they rip that five hole from the Clippers, and that very well could happen, look who they might run into. Their old pal, Kevin Durant and the Suns. How juicy, how spicy would that bleep be? And while the NBA regular season essentially is ass, and it is, the postseason does rule, and I'm starting to get hyped when I get hyped, I leave my shirt on. I leave it on. I leave it on. I, it I, it on. I, I, can't, I hear can't hear you, Jungle. When I get hyped, I leave my shirt on. I, take shirt I leave on. it on. I take it so now the college basketball has come to an end. And that's too bad. But now that it has, let's freaking do this. Let's do this, ears. No more load management. No more resting stars in games that matter. Games that we want to see them in. It's go time. The big push for Larry O. I'm here for it. All of it. And one more thing about everybody coming for Wiggins that had no idea what he was dealing with. It's just good to see him back as a human being. Again, there's a reason why I did not bring up or speculate why he missed all that time. And I did not reference all those lame, hideous rumors for two reasons. One, it was personal. You should respect somebody's privacy once in a while, clones. Number two, I didn't know what it was. And it was not my place to speculate. And I know you hate this guy, too. But Draymond actually nailed it. Draymond, a few weeks back, addressed the sick trolling that was going on with regards to his teammate.
0: The fact that a rumor about Andrew Wiggins, whether what y'all saying is true or not, really like has no bearing on my life. Nor does it have any bearing on y'all life. Like, y'all are so thirsty to know what's going on in someone's life that that becomes the thing. Sometimes people disgust me. You don't know what someone is dealing with and then you make them deal with that? What if that's not what the person's dealing with? Stop it.
1: It's disgusting. One of my favorite quotes ever from Draymond. And I've always been a big Draymond guy. I want you, Alvin, re-rack that. I want you to separate the message from the messenger because so many of you have such a problem with Draymond. What he said is one true. You have no idea what a person is dealing with. And then to allege that it's something else is probably making something horrible so much worse because there's no accountability. There are no consequences. People can tweet and say whatever the hell they want. He just said it best. Sometimes people disgust me. Stop doing it. It's disgusting.
0: The fact that a rumor about Andrew Wiggins, whether what y'all saying is true or not, really, like, has no bearing on my life. Nor does it have any bearing on y'all life. Like, y'all are so thirsty to know what's going on in someone's life that that becomes the thing. Sometimes people disgust me. You don't know what someone is dealing with, and then you make them deal with that? What if that's not what the person's dealing with? Stop it. It's disgusting.
1: Yes. And to his point, it's got no bearing on your life. It does not concern you at all. And if it does concern you because, quote, you're a Warriors fan, then why are you tweeting or posting garbage like that? You know why? Because you're not a Warriors fan. Because you're miserable. And somehow, way, that makes you feel better. Going in on somebody about something that may or may not be true when they're already dealing with something that might be pretty horrible. How did that make your life better? How did making his life worse make your life better? How jacked up is that? How backwards is that? How about you actually go and make your life better without tearing somebody else down? I agree with Draymond. So... Stop it. It's disgusting. Credit to Andrew Wiggins. And it makes me want to see them go on a run even more. And by the way, come to find out, it was not what you all were suggesting. We are joined by Adley Rutschman and he joins me via Zoom. Adley, it's great to have you on. How are you?
3: Good. How are you doing?
1: Good, dude. Good. So I know you're looking ahead, but I do have to ask you about opening day because what a night that was. You go five for five. You have a bomb. You have a walk. Most importantly, you win. What did it feel like to get out as quickly as you did and hit a bomb on your very first swing of 2023?
3: Oh, it was kind of surreal. Um, you know, just that feeling of opening day. Uh, you don't know how it's going to feel, but you come out excited, ready to go, and uh, to get that, uh, that first hit, uh, first home run is always a good feeling.
1: Listen, I know you'll downplay it, but I can't, because whenever somebody does something in Major League Baseball that has not been done in over 100 years, I don't think that's something you downplay. Maybe you will, because that's the kind of guy you are, but nobody's done what you did. You became the first catcher since at least, they don't even know, it's like at least 1900 to get five hits on opening day. So then what's it feel like to do something that has not been done in well over a century in the big leagues?
3: Um, I I mean, it's just one of those things uh, you don't really think about in the moment or after the game. Uh, They, You know, people tell you, but uh, for me, it's just one of those things I feel like we're, so much more focused on the team aspect and what we got going on in the clubhouse that uh, those individual achievements are cool, but um, we're definitely more focused on, you know, just the aspect of winning.
1: All right. Again, that's who you are. I get that. I respect that. I couldn't respect that even more, but if major league baseball is the grind that it's made out to be, and it is, I mean, there's always another day and another game and you go back to zero every single day when you accomplish something like that. And then I'll leave it at this. I mean, did you even have any idea did the magnitude sink in? Could you celebrate it? Or frankly, you had you already forgotten about it by the time you got back to the clubhouse?
3: Um, no, I mean, that uh, that momentum, I guess, and that feeling definitely uh, carries out for, uh, you know, the rest of the night. Uh, you definitely feel good. Um, and then, you know, the next day hits and you got to uh, find a way to step in the box and and try and do it again and uh, try and have good competitive <laughs> A-Bs. Uh, so, you know, once, once you hit that next day, it's, it's on again and you kind of forget about it.
1: Well, good, but I'm glad you gave yourself a little bit of time to enjoy that because once again, that had not been done in 100 years. Adley, what about the experience? I've heard you talk about this and this also makes sense to me, but how much of your experience is related directly to the guys that you ride with? For instance, can you take me inside that clubhouse? What's the vibe like when you're going to battle with these 24 guys specifically? What's that vibe like?
3: I mean, it's, it's one of those things, uh, you got to bring it every day. And like you said, uh, there's a lot of games and, uh, some days, some days you don't want to, uh, same, some days you don't have energy, some days you do. And, um, you got to find a way on, on every day to, um, pick, pick up every guy. Uh, you got to find a way to compete in the box, have good ABs. Um, you know, even if you don't get a hit, uh, you got to find a way to bring it on defense and, uh, there's always ways to win. And, um, I think with this group of guys that we have right now, uh, guys are really committed to that team aspect. And, um, you know, with so many other things going on in each of their lives, uh, it's cool to see guys uh, do that and have that kind of character.
1: Adley, what about that? Is it When you talk about the guys, I mean, you forget. I mean, they're guys, they're human beings. They've got other things going on in their life how difficult or challenging is it to compartmentalize like when you show up at the yard you really have to lock in and compartmentalize how challenging is that how do you personally go about doing that
3: yeah it's it's definitely tough because um you know guys are uh, naturally inclined not to um you know want to share uh things like that that are going on in their personal lives and um you know whether life's going good or bad for them uh, at that given time, um, you do have to find a way to, uh, compartmentalize that and, and, uh, be a pro in the clubhouse. And, um, I think our guys do a great job of that, but, um, you know, I think guys do ask questions uh, to each other about how they're doing and guys care about, um, that personal aspect of each other's lives, uh, which is, which is really unique and, and cool because, uh, that just brings everyone closer, uh, together on the
1: team. Um, my bad, dude. I should not have jumped in on you. I was going uh, to agree with you. Like, no. We need more of that, right? We need more of that. Mental health is now, it was so taboo for so long and guys didn't yeah. want to show any weakness. It's so important, right, to communicate to each other and to anybody else. If you, It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to ask for help.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it just starts with those, those friendships, those uh, relationships that you have in the clubhouse and, um, you know, allowing guys to have that open uh, dialogue and I feel like they're in a, you know, a spot where they can share uh, with each other. And uh, I've seen it grow over um, over last year and into this year. Um, But, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tough to uh, compartmentalize things when you got stuff going on, uh, whether it's on the field or off the field. Um, But, you know, the more open conversations guys can have, I think it allows them to be freer when they go onto the field and allows them to focus on the game. And um, I think that's what everyone wants is. Uh, they want they want to be able to come out on the field and and just pray, uh, play play uh, freely.
1: And that's it, right? You just nailed it. I think it's got to be tough enough to be able to go out there and just play freely. Tough enough to like can return your brain to neutral without having to deal with some of the filthiest stuff ever coming at you at ninety six on the block. Adley Rutschman joining us. You know, it's a young team that exceeded most expectations last season maybe outside the clubhouse. So now the bar has been raised, you'll probably tell me, look, we're not that concerned about what folks have to say outside the clubhouse or what they think because they really don't know. And I think that'd be fair. So just let me ask you instead, what are your expectations for the O's this season?
3: Uh, it's a, you know, it's a pretty vanilla answer, but um, we try and keep it in, in clubhouse. And I think our goals for this year to, um, you know, take each day as it comes. Um, like I said, uh, good, bad, or however we're feeling a given day. I think our goal is to come out and play with energy, um, you know, not take anything for granted and look back on on you know, each day and reflect and say, did we um, you know control the controllables today? Did we uh, come out uh, with good effort? Uh, did we have good attitudes, and did we prepare the right way? And I think if we can answer um yes to all those questions, then, um, you know, we're not going to have any regrets. And we're going to say that we did things the right way.
1: That's the most important thing, right? To do things the right way and not have regrets. Regrets are the worst. So Major League Baseball, Adley, gave the fans what they wanted. Bags. More bags. Lots of bags. Lots of stolen bases. And you guys actually are taking advantage of that early on and running. Sitting behind the plate, do you feel any increased pressure? Or does it change your approach knowing the teams will look to be more aggressive on the base pass than they've been in the past?
3: Um, I think it just makes you a little more cognizant of what's going on. Um, I think, uh, you just gotta be tighter on on uh, holding runners, on our holds and and stuff of that nature. Um, but you're definitely aware of it and and it's just one of those things you kind of adapt to and see how it goes and changes during the course of the season.
1: Let me ask you this. I'm a huge college baseball guy. I love it. I absolutely love it. I talked to A's manager Mark Kotze yesterday about his years at Cal State Fullerton, which is an awesome program. Similar to him, you won the Golden Spikes Award in 2019 at Oregon State as the best player in the country. Obviously, you've got this great opportunity in front of you right now as a big leaguer. But how much did winning the College World Series mean to you? And what do you remember most about your time at Oregon State?
3: Yeah, I mean, from the uh from the time I stepped foot on campus, uh guys talked about winning the College World Series. It was um, you know, it wasn't about winning the Pac-12, it wasn't about making it to Omaha, it was about winning winning it all from uh, you know, the first time, and I think when you have that kind of mentality, that's something that sticks with you. Um, because that's what I remember most about it, and uh just the I guess the culture, camaraderie aspect of of college baseball and um, you know how pure that time was. There uh, is something that definitely stuck with me, and um, you know just the fact that we were able to accomplish that goal, win it all. Um, you know, you remember the journey, and you appreciate um, all the six a.m. workouts, and uh, you know you remember those times going out to dinner, and uh, you know, and playing on the weekends. So uh, for me, that that journey is definitely something that'll stick with you, and of course the. Dog pile at the end is uh, unforgettable
1: I love that let me ask you this to tell me if you remember this I've got about a minute left so I've got this guy on my staff that we just added named Jack Savage it's a real name Adley by the way he's got a real dad John Savage who's the coach at UCLA do you remember taking UCLA deep twice and I know you guys didn't win but do you remember that day
3: I do I do remember that day
1: what do you remember about uh, that day
3: yeah day game a uh, little day game. Um, I got a. I think it was might have been three one fastball that I took to center, and then um, we got another. I think it was another fastball uh, that I took to straight right field, and um, yeah, it was a it was a good day. Um, one of those days that you definitely uh, you still remember, even though I guess it was what. Four or five years ago, now. You
1: know what the kid just Crazy. told me, dude. The but, kid just yeah. told me. The kid just told me that the old man admitted he should have walked you both times. <laughs> good well, stuff, right? Well, I appreciate right? that. That's that's uh, good stuff. Yeah, I a lot love it. from him. Yeah, listen, I appreciate you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time to get in front of the camera and zoom with us. Really appreciate that conversation, man. Thanks so much.
3: I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
1: Notice I'm not discouraging it. I'm just saying you never know what you're going to get. So why don't we find out? Left in Laguna, and he's a high-volume shooter, and he's extremely streaky. Quote, did you say the livers are heading to Augusta? Boy, I sure could use some livers. Signed, Beaks in Buzio City. I'll leave that alone. You can own that yourself, Lef. He then chased that with, it's a hedge, signed the Miano Pan before crashing through the living room. Like I said with Left, it's never one. Left's like that old potato chip commercial. You can never stop at one. Left's like a whole can of bad Pringles tweets. <laughs> I mean, Left, Left, is there no integrity? Is there no compassion? Left, is there no freaking line? That you won't cross. You know they say things like a retweet is not an endorsement. I've never had to say this on this show. And a couple of times I probably should have. But me reading a tweet is not an endorsement. It's me reading a tweet. And I'm reading it because... What alarm is that, Albie? The extreme tweet alarm... The extreme deceased clone alarm. Is that what that is? An extreme deceased clone tweet alarm. That's how I'm interpreting that ongoing alarm because it's still going. Notice we can't shut it off. Like I'm feverishly hitting the keypad. What's the code? What's the code? Now the phone's ringing. Uh, hello sir is, is there a problem yes sir. shut it off what is your password sir uh, uh, uh jungle Tourettes uh w- sir what is your pin oh uh, oh uh, uh, jack Savage sir what is your high school mascot Calbass's coyote thank you apparently we now have a Deceased clone tweet alarm. Compliments of left. Left in Laguna, three-time smack-off champ, tweeted the following. Did you just say the livers are showing up to Augusta? <laughs> well... We aren't livers. Cow in Vegas. Randall in the OC. Trapper in Dana Point. And Dave the non-hunter? War, War the deceased clones. Left, for one of the few times in my entire career, I think I am speechless. We aren't, quote, livers, quote unquote. <laughs> Signed a bunch of beloved deceased clones. And then you try to make it all right by warring the deceased clones. Hey, Lef, like you're paying respect. Like you're paying respect after tweeting, did you say the livers are showing up to Augusta? Well, we aren't livers. Cal in Vegas, Randall in the OC, Trapper and Dana Point, and Dave the non-hunter. Can I tell you, two of them were universally beloved on the program. Dave the non-hunter. Randall in the O.C. The other two were polarizing, but in Trapper's case, beloved. And Cal was very angry and wanted to fight people like everybody, including Conor McGregor, who he once said would meet it, he'd meet at the airport and rip his beard off his face and make him eat it. He said that. But Cal made the show better. He said that about Conor McGregor. I don't think he ever made good on that claim. Damn, Lef, even for you. Even for you, Lef. What a savage, dude. and How, how absolutely unnecessary, Lef. I mean, I know that everybody is doing what they have to do to shock people, to move the needle, to get the clicks, to go viral. But, dude, come on, man. Left, in a way, you're jungle royalty. You can't be doing that. And then if you're going to say to me, you know what, Rome, it's not him. It's your fault. You read it. I'm going to tell you why I read it. I want you to know what's out there. I want you to know what I deal with on the daily. That's the one that I read. You have no idea which ones I don't read on the air.
3: Good night.